Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. We hope this message empowers you to love life, love Jesus, love people, and dream more. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. That was an awesome week. It's still continuing on. We had some individuals say, you know, I wish we could do that every week. And the unique part is we do. It just looks a little differently than grocery bags. We're loving the city all the time. Right now it looks like um, taking the stuff out of my pocket, if that's okay with you. So it kind of aggravates me. It looks like tutoring kids. It looks like showing up at recess and providing a safe environment. We turn my mic down a little bit. Providing a safe environment because the schools are understaffed. Just in this school here, they have one after-school sports program. I don't know about you, but when my middle school, uh, we had more. And so we get the honor and the privilege to block and tackle and show up right where life exists all year round. And it's not always as glamorous as the weak highlight reel, but it's still so effective. And that's what it all leads to is like great high. Um, it leads to these great high moments lead to one-on-one interaction. And so it's been a beautiful narrative watching the rhythm of both and take place, not either or. Is it one week? Yes. Is it all year round? Yes. And do some of us come in just for a lap? Yes. Do some of us run a lot more laps? Yes. Do we both share in the same reward? Yes. And so that's what's so beautiful, what God is doing through us, champion us. And so whether you prayed, whether you got excited just a little bit on Facebook, whether you gave, whether you um, found yourself carrying some of those grocery bags, knocking on people's doors, whether you were showing up with pizza boxes on a Friday night, whether you were taking Love the City bags and just saying, what's up at a bus station or riding the bus and saying hello to the, the bus drivers and then showing up at the police force and the neighborhoods we were cleaning, whatever you did, I just want to say thank you on behalf of City Life and everybody. So come on, give it up for yourselves real quick. It's a powerful week. School just started and I had a super embarrassing first day of school in fourth grade. We moved from Pinckney, Michigan, which if you've ever been to Pinckney, it says, welcome to the village of Pinckney. Okay. The village. It's kind of like cheers. Everybody knew my name. The local performing arts theaters named after my great grandma. The barbershop right in town, downtown, was Lon's Barbershop, which is my grandpa. And we lived on the dirt road and we hung out in the middle of nowhere. But it was so unique. Like, they named my, my, my family, they named me Jerome. And I remember bumping rap music all the way out in Pinckney, uh, Michigan. It was just like I was hooping and I was just so mesmerized by Jordan and everything. And I think it was just God's plan for me to get closer to the city. So next thing you know, we show up in Mason, just getting a little close to the city. And then eventually it would be Lansing and what God is doing uh, in, in my life. In fourth grade, though, go from being popular in Pinckney, show up at Mason, first day of school. And over the summer, I was riding a bicycle and I thought it was really cool because I learned how to ride no hands. Anyone remember that moment? Come on, because anybody ride no hands? You're just riding no hands. And I could, I not only could ride no hands, but I could start to turn with no hands. Right, so I'm riding no hands and I'm turning. We just went to Koshan's. Koshan's was the local party store, so we got about $2 worth of candy. That actually meant you got like four candy bars back then. Is anybody old enough to remember that? Some people old enough to remember you could get like eight, okay? Now you get like 1.1, right? It's like you're like, pack of Sour Patch Kids, a buck 59? What in the world changed? It used to be 50 cents, okay? Anyways, someone's like, it was? Yes, it was 50 cents. You could get things for a nickel. You could get things for even more. And you, and, and, so just watch uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. It'll give you more context. 
So she, and I was riding the bicycle. I turned and there was uh, the trash picked up that day. And for whatever, I don't know, there was maybe some, a spill or something. And it was really slippery. And I saw the spot and I was just like, oh, whatever. Boom. And next thing you know, I start to slip and I go over the handlebars and boom, I drill the asphalt. And I knew my teeth hurt really bad. That's all I knew. So I went to my, um, my Nana's house, which lives right next to her, uh, her ex-husband, which is my grandpa. And they're both remarried and they live right next to each other. Just little stories like that that happen in Pinckney. It's awesome. And so I run past grandpa's house and I go right next door to Nana's house. I walk in because I knew Nana would help me. And she's like, oh, and she did one of those faces. And my front teeth uh, were an upside down V. It was kind of pictured like that. So I had this upside down V. Well, we went to the dentist that summer. We had to save up some money. And, but I showed up at the first day of school still with the upside down V. So you could imagine the embarrassment a little bit, the insecurity a little bit, because I cared what everybody thought. I started to find myself responding differently because now my insecurity was ruling my thoughts and emotions. I picked up two friends that week and I realized they only had two friends. And it was so interesting because once I won a race, I got my teeth fixed and then I won a race and I was the fastest kid in fourth grade at Steele Elementary, and I became popular. And my life was dictated by not only the applause, but also sometimes by the critique of individuals ruled by that and, and so easily led astray. You find yourself living for the approval of others. If you live for the approval of others, you will die by their rejection. When was that moment that you started to care what everyone thought? How much of this week did you care what everyone thought? Was our life ruled by it? I would dare to venture that in some capacity this week, you thought about how you looked. You thought about what you drived. You thought about where you lived, what kind of friends you had and how much money you had. Started to let Babylon creep into us. The world's ways say, oh, this is what success and this is what identity looks like. Why do you have such an epidemic with cutting with kids and insecurity and bullying? I remember sending uh, Jerome to school two weeks ago and he was talking about over the summer bullying. It was fascinating to me because a couple years ago he wasn't thinking about that. And he was more aware what everyone thought as I started to, you know, give him a hug and a kiss and send him off to first grade, he was, he loved it, right? Second grade, now it's like hug and like a little, like, a, like okay, I'll give you a kiss, but it's kind of incognito. It's like, I'll give you a kiss and I'll jet. Just as he shows up in kindergarten, he's already got that times like 20 on Jerome. So he showed up in kindergarten, he's like, all right, dad, peace, deuces. <laughs> Seriously. I went in the room because he had scissors. I watched him. I was just seeing what he was doing. He had scissors. scissors. He was cutting into the, uh, this milk carton he, or this bag with his breakfast. And he had this milk carton. He was so excited because he doesn't get scissors at home, right? And so he's got his own little scissors. He looks. He's so excited. I had the scissors. And he starts cutting away. And next thing you know, he's starting to push through it because it wasn't cutting. And he's pushing through and the scissors are pointed back at his head. And he's the same one that was just in the hospital for pushing a rod, uh, the blind rod through his back of his mouth. So I walk in. I'm like, hey, justice, man. Say, hey, scissors, not a good look, pointing it to your face. He's just like, oh, I got it, Dad. I know, for real, for real. He keeps using this word, for real. For real, I got it, I got it, I got it. I'm like, man, it is so cool to have your dad come into class. Why do you care what everyone thinks? 
Where did this come from? What's that age where you start to begin to wonder and worry and think what everyone thought? I tell you what, my twins aren't thinking about that. Our twins are so filled with candy when they eat it and it's all over their face. Last week in that cotton candy, their face was blue. I think God wants you to have a face that's blue today with cotton candy. I think God wants us, his kids, to take off the masks and really enjoy the benefits of what it means when he says, everyone, you can come, you can drink, you can taste and see that the Lord is good. And I will start to shape and mold and affirm you. And it will be my signature that matters most. So we don't live in a prison by other people's opinions, by their thoughts, by what they think should happen, because sometimes they don't know the story of what's going on in the pain. See, it'd be easy to look at someone's situation and be like, how did they get that far down? But you ever thought about this? What happens if they're on the come up and they were even lower? That's why I love God. He grades on a curve. And so he's not impressed with your success this morning. And he's definitely not impressed with um, how much you accumulate. What he's impressed with is our hearts. And he also doesn't look at your broken teeth and say, look at you, you're a joke. John chapter four is a beautiful story of Jesus interacting with a woman of Samaria. Why that matters of Samaria? Because you're kinda in, but you're not. So you're an outcast. You're not of one of them. You're like a half-breed, if you will. So you look down upon. So too, often people would start to begin to believe that. You see effects like this in culture all the time. When we drive by certain areas of the neighborhoods, we start to think, oh, that's them, this is us. Even sports team, to watch how quick things start to divide. Them versus us, men versus women. Jesus sets a standard so beautiful, he hits the reset button where every single person now can come and taste and see. That's why when we join this morning and I look out and I see so many different faces, different backgrounds, different economic statuses, and we all come together because who he is, Jesus, the one. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. Because she had her pail and she was going out to the water well. And she had to go to a distance to the water well because she was a Samaritan. And Jesus is at that water well and he's present. He's present with a woman, which isn't the social norm of the day. And not only a woman, but a Samaritan. A woman of Samaria. The half-breed looked down upon, and Jesus is there. Jesus is present. Jesus wants to throw the party for her and show her who he is. And so he starts to unpack how she thinks. He says, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to 
eternal life. He goes down to talk about how he's the living water. And then he says to her, go call your husband and come here. And the woman answers, I have no husband. And Jesus says to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband for you have five. And the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. <laughs> Game, set, match. Jesus, you know, you've seen that show with Ashton Kutcher where they talked about punked. I mean, he just punked her, punked her out. Because what do we do when we find ourselves guilty many times? Cover it up. Oh, I don't, yeah, it's not that bad. What do I love about God? He says, no, it's, it's worse than you said it was. It's way worse. You imagine the shame she's felt, not one, but two, but three, but four, but five. And now I'm sure the standard got so low where it's just like, I'll just, it, I mean, I used to have dreams of what a husband would be like, but number five, I mean, if we're just semi-cordial, I'm okay with it. Like if he even looks at me once a year, I'm okay. The standard probably got really low. We're, She's not dreaming anymore of knighting shining armor and moments. And I, you know, he's going to come sweep me up and we're going to be in some palace. I mean, this is number five. And everyone knows it's probably number five. So she's looked down upon as number five. And Jesus doesn't look down upon her. In fact, he says that if you drink from me, and he's talking about himself, you will have living water and never thirst again. Water that is of eternal life. And what is the contrast there? The contract is this, that there is temporary things that will never fulfill us. Pleasures that are so fleeting, sexual desires, money, greed, power, friend groups, attention, Facebook likes. There is so much in this world trying to grab our attention. And then over here is God's way, his kingdom, his joy, his love, his eternal life through the Son perfect work of Jesus Christ that we've been set free. And that's what he's offering her in that moment. That's the water he's talking about. She's not understanding it at first. And so he digs deeper into her life and calls it out specifically. You ever had a moment when your life when specifically you knew that God was checking you? Specifically. That you didn't think it was as bad as it was because we're really good at being um, self-deceived. And so what that means is that we will trick our brains to believe anything as long as it medicates and relieves a pain. So that's what we do. We constantly will find ourselves um, believing something that makes, it alleviates the pain. No one likes pain. And so we have a form of arrogance when it comes to God, but God, what he's doing is this. He's longing for us to have a deep posture of humility. Humility is inviting. We aren't that powerful if you've been present with somebody on their deathbed, you've realized this, no one thinks they're that powerful on their deathbed. But yet we live like self-proclaimed kings along the way. And sin has got us in such a deep mess that we don't even know right from wrong anymore. We don't know the first husband for the second husband, the third husband, and then we start to just justify the way of life because we heard that God loves everyone, and since he loves everyone, then he's just okay with it and he'll understand. At what point do we stop and start to say, well, who is the one who can give me this new life? Who is the one? And then how do I follow him? And how do I let myself be tied to the kingdom of God for his glory alone? 
It's a beautiful exchange. She begins to see that. She says, oh, you must be a prophet. Are you the Messiah that they promised? Messiah meaning you're the chosen one that would deliver us, give us freedom? Because I know the effects in the bondage, in the pain, in the prison cell of sin. Do you? What happens is when you find yourself entangled in that mess, you're longing for freedom. You're longing to be let loose. You're longing. It's because written on all of our hearts is there's a standard that's way beyond the rules of this earth. There's a standard so deep that that's why you feel bad when no one's looking and you've done something wrong. Where does right and wrong come from? Where does love and, eat and hate come from? Where does good and evil come from? There's a great grand story over us all. And as we come together on this Sunday, what's happening is, is though this is, there's a platform, this platform is merely just an empowerment uh, for you that what God wants to do is he wants to pour into you. He wants to equip you. He wants to fuel you. He wants to see you walk in that living truth. He wants to see you drink of that water that you're not thirsting uh, ever again because he doesn't want to see his kids so in bondage and in prison cells that they find themselves, oh, kumbaya, we love you, Jesus, but then back into the, 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 the form of slavery and then kumbaya, we love you, Jesus, and then back into the form of slavery. And it's just this constant, wicked, uh, this rat race, if you will. And it's a doom loop. And God wants to set us free. That's what he wanted to do for her. He wanted to set her free. Husband one's not going to heal you. Two, three, four, it's not going to deliver you. Nothing's going to happen there. He's breaking everything. He's telling everyone, you know what? You can come and taste and see. There's a moment where Jesus is hanging out with children and the disciples, those are walking with Jesus. So if anyone's starting to pick up what he's like, it would be him. And they hold back the children. And he says, hey, let the kids come to me. You know why he says, let the kids come to me? Because what he's doing is he's flipping. He's doing a reversal. The death and the sting that this world feels in the pain because of sin that was entered in through Adam. He's destroying, he's saying, look, you look at this tear as low, I look at that tear as desired and bring them to me because children were looked at as like uh, very, the lowest class citizens, children and women, the lowest class citizens. That's why it's so fascinating. The stories of Jesus, the truths of Jesus that is written by eyewitnesses talking about him with women and with children and with tax collectors and with sinners, with fishermen, outcasts. And we are all outcasts apart from God. He speaks and says, I am he. She goes out and she starts telling everyone about what has happened. People want to come follow him. They're showing up around Jesus. It's a powerful, powerful, powerful moment. Check this. Adam's sin gave everyone death, but Jesus's death gave everyone access to eternal life. That's it. It's what he means. It's what he means. That's what he means. Powerful. That's what he means. When you felt this week when you were in your um, doubt and confusion, it's because there's a battle going on, and that's going to happen and, and just until the Lord comes back at some level. But there's a deep level of freedom that I don't think a lot of us are always experiencing. God wants to sing songs and dance over you. God wants to deliver you. God wants to set you free. God wants to reprogram you in such a way that you don't find yourself saying that, like this to God anymore. But, 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 you must not understand. But, but. When you read the Psalms, there is such profound, deep rawness there. 
No other holy book can compare to the level of rawness we can approach the throne of God. And so we can approach him like this, like, man, I am disappointed, I am mad, I am hurt, I am confused, I don't understand, but I trust you. God, help me, lead me, be my refuge, be my strong tower. It's beautiful, the fact that God would allow his kids, yet he's holy and perfect and he doesn't allow, he doesn't need to allow us that type of access. He does give us that freedom. But at some point, how many times can we keep saying, but, 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 but to God? Do we believe we're rich? Do we believe we have eternal life? Do we believe that God wants to party with us forever? And that he threw the party for us and that right now we have access to it through Jesus. Do we believe? Do we believe? Because when we believe, we start to make decisions that will intentionally start to fuel and guide that process, okay? When you're excited about something, you make decisions to try to um, align yourself with that activity or that hobby or that adventure, whatever it is. You're like, I'm going to pursue this. You see it with athletes. You see it with business workers. You see it uh, with people that are musicians. They're like, I'm going to make decisions because I have this emotional moment, so I'm going to want my life to reflect this change. But then with God, we're like this. Yeah, I had these deep, deep moments, but I'm going to butt, I'm going to butt, I'm going to butt. It's just a bunch of butts. And so I, I, I have to be honest with us today and say, I think God wants you to stop the butt. And I think he wants you to just have all of him. And all of him means complete freedom, and it's great because he doesn't give you a rule to now force you to comply. What he does is he's trying to liberate us and have us to be free so we can have blue cotton candy all over our face, and it doesn't matter because we got an audience of one, and it's a game changer. It's beautiful. Galatians 1.10 says this. Paul's writing this. Paul used to be a radical sinner. His name was Saul. He was used to persecute and kill Christians. And so if anyone is starting to have a life change and know what the gospel's like, it's this guy. He says, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. That's convicting. It's convicting when I think about what is she going to say? What is he going to say? How are we going to be received when really it's just an audience of one? And as I've made music over the years, this has really impacted me because there's only one opinion that matters. Only one opinion matters. It's the audience of one. It's God's approval. And so as there's been times when I've done a show and there's been like three kids and there's been a time when I've done a show and it was at the Breslin Center and there was 11,000. And it, Mercy Me interviewed us on stage and they were so inspired by what our organization did that they wanted us to share it with the whole, um, the whole whatever, you know, gym. I'll tell you what, in those moments, it's very tempting to think I was more successful at the Breslin Center. But the truth is, I was most successful, not even at the show with one person. I was most successful when I was just in the room privately writing songs with God. Good. Period. The audience of one. And so, as we all come in this auditorium, I'm in this auditorium too. And I just say, hey, there's only one opinion that matters. The audience of one, it's God's opinion this morning that I want. I want to deconstruct, I want to rip down every wall and barrier in my heart and in my life, in every lie, in every um, time I put myself on the throne. 
and I've justified along the way and I've put a lot of people in my life that help secure that or I've removed a lot of people in my life that will challenge me. And I don't really put an emphasis on God's kingdom and I don't put an emphasis on his bride, his church. I don't put an emphasis on what he's doing and in his word and the scriptures and I don't put an emphasis on the things that will last forever. And when I do that, what happens is I have someone else on the throne and it's not God, it's me. I think God so desperately wants to be on the throne of our hearts today. And there's joy there. There's joy. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 14 through 16. Here's where we're going to begin to close. But thanks be to God, who is Christ always, leads us in triumphal procession. Jesus, the great triumph that's leading us. And through us, this is crazy. Like the one who rose from the dead, he doesn't even have to use us, but he wants to use us. Too often we're like, well, if God is real, why does he just continue to show up? Well, he does. It's that age old saying of the person that's like, I want you to save me, God, and whatever, you know, the city's drowning. And then the helicopter comes and they're like, well, I want you to save me, God. Show up. A boat comes. I want you to save me, God. People come again. They're like, oh, we, we're getting ready. You got to come on. We're, the city's going to. Well, I wanted God to save me. Many times he is. He's working in ways that we just want him to work our way. The fact that he's God alone allows him to have complete rule and reign. And what that does is that finds me with humility and says, whoa, anyway, that you say, I want to go. I want to follow. I want to be with. And that he wants to be in and through us. This is why Christianity is just, it's just so much different than everything else. Everything else is about, here's the, the barrier. You'll never be a God. You'll never be like him. You'll never be present with him. And Jesus says that you'll be my inheritance, your royalty, your sons and daughters. You now have bold access because of the sacrifice that he paid for our guilt and our shame. I remember when I um, really heard the cross and my eyes were opened and the spirit was taking the veil that was off from me. I remember Thinking about who Jesus was, not what I thought he was in Pinckney, not what I thought he was in Mason, not what I thought he was at some church in Lansing, what I really heard he was and what I felt was I was guilty and he was worthy. That's what I felt. It wasn't that I needed to come to heaven or I was like, hey, give me a grand prize. I want this big reward. It was no, 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 no. I am guilty. He's worthy. Therefore, game, set, match. I will follow you. And it was beautiful because he showed up. He started to bring clarity. He started to bring deliverance. He started to sing and start to change my perspective of what success looked like. And that's exactly what he wants to do from, through you. And through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. Such a sweet smell. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved, among those who are perishing. To one a fragrance from death to death, to the other a fragrance from life to life. Come on, let God be that fragrance in your life today. That it wouldn't matter about everyone anymore, but the only one in your life. And what's beautiful is when the only one is so present in your life, he's using it for his glory for all those around you. And as we stumble and we fumble even, and we just let each other down, we can pick each other up because someone's going to have a sweeter fragrance at times. And that's what this beautiful journey is like. 
And then in chapter three, verse 15, it says, yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now, the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face, check this out, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. God wants to set us free. He wants his kids to live free. There's things in our life that we had a moment where we said, Jesus, yes. For some of us, it was last week. Jesus, yes. For some of you, it's today. Jesus, yes. For some of you, it was 10 years ago. It was Jesus, yes. But along the way, we've been putting one more prison bar in another prison bar in another prison bar. What happens is we're back in a cage. Let it out. Let it go. Let the hurt go, the pain, the bitterness, the shame, the fights, let it go. And here's why. Because we have what true success is. The only one that really matters. We have his approval and he sees us all the time. He calls out our deepest sins. So you can't even try to make it look good for somebody else. You can't impress anybody. So be liberated this morning. Be liberated this morning that there's just one. There's just one. One voice, one story that God wants to show you through his son, one way, that's it. So who can come? Everyone. But how do people stay? There's only one. That's it. Well, that doesn't sound fair. I haven't found anyone that compares to our only one. So it's beyond fair because he does set people free. We took a time yesterday and we had the interns, they were calling people and hopefully they called some of you and if you're on the calling list and this is why it's so important to fill out the connect cards because things like this happen. We show up on a Saturday right through your phone. Now we don't do this often, okay? And so we're not gonna bug you. But it's beautiful because we felt compelled yesterday to call people and say, we wanna pray for you. And you can imagine some of the hesitancy and the resistance from some of the team like, oh, I don't wanna bother people on a Saturday, right? And Noah was outside in his car because everyone was calling all over the property in their cars because some, you know, it's, it's kind of uncomfortable to call in front of your peers and pray for people and you get a little insecure and how do you pray and don't you pray? Are you saying the right words or aren't you? And that didn't matter because there was action. There was individuals that came in a room that said, I care about people so much that I'm gonna make intentional decisions that I'm gonna try to get closer to have this aroma be present more often from life to life. So I start calling people and an individual yesterday, hopefully they're here, said, I asked God to give me a sign tomorrow. So on Friday, they asked God to give them a sign tomorrow or they were gonna take their life. And here's Noah sitting on the phone, wrecked by it. The guy's like, man, how old are you? Noah's like, I'm 18. The guy's like, I'm 38. So he's talking about his life and what he's been going through and the addictions, the patterns. And he's a father. And it's gotten so far, the pain, the pressure has gotten so far. And this is what it means when Jesus says, I'm gonna deliver the broken. I am gonna deliver the poor. I am gonna deliver people. It's because the pain and the pressure is real, y'all. It's real. You might not be able to understand it for some because your floor wasn't as far as their floor. And thank God for that, that you've never found yourself in a deep place of addiction or hurt or at that. But depression is very real for a lot of people. It was a very real for a lot of people in the scriptures that God used. And there was freedom. 
in that moment, in a glimpse, and he says, I'm not gonna do that today. They had a great bonding time, and they just was so powerful hearing that story. And that was one of many stories just from a phone call and saying, hey, what's up? We're with City Life, can we pray for you, right? So get rid of the religious duty and the religious exercise and the exhaustive, crazy plan that you think you have to do and just let him have all of you. And then what happens is he starts to show you what he wants you to do and he teaches you because he wants to be your master and he wants to be our master. And he can demand such a claim because he's worthy. He's worthy. So it's easy to say savior. It's hard to live Lord, but we've lost our lives and we're no longer slaves to sin, but we're slaves to righteousness. Do you hear that call today? To quit being a slave to sin, but start to be a slave to righteousness. What does that look like? Adjusting some things in your life. Starting to get connected deeper with God's family, intimately, local, proximity. Starting to go to God with your issues, with less talking and with more listening, with less explanations of why and how I got here and a lot of buts. And you start to let the Father father you. And He'll allow you to have the moments where you cry out and were you there for this pain? Were you there for this moment? I had that for about seven months and then the Holy Spirit hit me so hard and I pray the Holy Spirit would use this story and hit you so hard where you're at that I thought when my parents got divorced, I thought when I started to party like crazy and I wasn't starting on the basketball team, I thought all these different things and I mean, it was serious to me, like very serious. It broke my heart. And I would say things like, why, where were you, God? And I would almost have this, not almost, I'd have a chip on my shoulder. Even in Christ, I was delivered and I still would look back at my life up till that point. And I said, well, man, I just, life kind of dealt me a rough hand. And what I saw was this, the Holy Spirit started to show me that God was there when my parents got divorced, that God was there when I got in trouble, that God was there when I was riding the bench, that God was protecting me the whole time. And I was saying, well, I want you to save me a particular way. And he was like, no, I gave you a helicopter. I gave you all these things. And I just said, God, forgive me. I'm a sinner. And it's beautiful. When you do that, what he does is this. Come here. Come here, little buddy. I got you. And he clothes you. Not in what your school clothes look like when you show up, but he clothes you in righteousness. And so no longer can I say, where was God throughout my childhood? God was the only reason that I was still able to be up here and that something crazier didn't happen to me, but by the grace of God. Would you join me in prayer this morning? Just take a moment and reflect with the one. What is that like for you? Where's the, where's the tough spots in your heart? Has he been calling you to do something, to listen to someone? to be more empathetic? Has he been calling you to forgive? Has he been calling you to love someone that's really difficult to love? Has he been calling you to live more disciplined and saying, quit this nonsense in these friend groups and this partying and this, just quit it. I wanna use you to love them. 
And is he showing you your five husbands, your sin? And he's saying, come, drink. You will never thirst again. Lose your life and you'll find it through Jesus alone. God, I take a moment here. And just like the phone call showed up in people's houses and in their cars and wherever they were yesterday, I pray that the phone call from heaven would show up right in every single seat here. That all of your children, you would call them by name. That everyone would hear their first name. And you would show them a greater plan. The glory of what you want to take place through their life. Rewrite stories, give new passion again. That we would not look to the left or the right and what does everyone think, what does everyone say, that we would just celebrate with the one that said everyone come and that the only one would now define us. We would be silly and messy and believe again and receive the kingdom of heaven like a child humble ourselves this morning. Thank you, Jesus, for that freedom. Thank you for your spirit that sets us free this morning. God, let your power hit each person here. Let there be freedom. Some don't understand it. Some are like, whoa, this is way more than I signed up for. I thought like this was just like they gave groceries out. But I kind of like what I'm feeling in my heart. I I just want to invite you. That's the Holy Spirit. That's God's grace for your life saying, come here. Let my son clothe you. I thank you for the work that's taking place here, God. Um, The untangling of hurts and pains to get people to trust again, to get people to think again, to get people to dream again, to love and grow and to know who you are fully. We submit and we surrender. We need your guidance throughout this week. The enemy is real and he comes to steal, kill and destroy. And that verse is so quoted so often. We just think it's some like, uh, I don't know, like, Just rebuke the enemy like it is real. He wants to destroy your life, get you entangled in darkness. And God, I pray that through the storms that our roots would grip in you and you would give us a deep hunger for the kingdom, for your love and for what's true and what's noble and what's good and what's pure. And we would have a sickness for everything that's evil and that's not like you. There would be a separation And it would hurt so good, but we would let go and let you drive and quit playing backseat driver. But, but, but turn here, turn here. God is not to be mocked. He is to be exalted in our lives and to be glorified. And we are most satisfied when he is glorified. God, do that in us today. Sear that so deep, so deep. We pray this together through the power of through the name, and through the risen King, Jesus Christ, this morning. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city, one life at a time. For more information, messages, and to partner financially, go to citylifelansing.com. You belong here.